Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Traveling to Radio Show. I'm Friedel. And I'm Andrew. Uh, in this edition, we're going to talk a little bit about our trip around Morocco and also review a shortwave radio we're carrying around with us. And we've got a couple interviews for you with people that we've met on the road in Morocco. Well, we're recording this show from a very sunny hotel terrace in Zagora, southern Morocco. It's absolutely fantastic, especially when we look at the weather forecast for the UK, which has got a bit of snow on the ground. We can't help but feel a little bit smug that we've cycled all the way south on our bicycles. We've been in Morocco for about three weeks now, and we've covered over a 1,000 kilometers. We got the ferry from Malaga to Mayela, which is the Spanish enclave, and then we entered in the Moroccan town of Nador, um, from there, we cycled some very untouristy areas, but it was fantastic, uh, all the way down to Fez. That was three or 400 kilometers. Had some great experiences meeting local people, really authentic and no haggling or people asking you for money because they don't have the habits of tourism there. And then from Fez, we went south through the incredibly bizarre skiing town of Ifran. It looks just like a European ski resort. It's the most un-Moroccan place you've ever been. And then we continued south to the desert towns of Merzuga and Segura, where we are now. And just like all trips, we've had some very good experiences and also some challenges along the way. Definitely some of the best bits have, have been the um, terrain along the way. I mean, we've basically crossed two large mountain ranges uh, getting over into the desert here. Beautiful, beautiful views. Um, you probably can see some of the pictures on our site. Uh, and also the food. I mean, we've had great wonderful meals that are really quite simple and we didn't have to pay a lot for it. I think the trick in the food and sometimes it's difficult when you first go to a country to know where to go but we find if you go one street back from the main drag in whatever city or town you happen to be in then you find these little restaurants where the Moroccans actually eat and instead of paying maybe 50 dirhams for say a couscous in a touristy restaurant you can pay 50 dirhams for two people for a whole meal. Mm. And it's been great. What have we been eating? We've had lots of lentil soups. Lentil soups, um, little brochettes. Fantastic potato cakes. These are my yeah. favorites. It's like mashed potato in a batter and then fried. And then sometimes I take these fried potato cakes and put them inside bread. So it's kind of like the Moroccan equivalent of a chip buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it looks incredibly unhealthy, and it's not easy to cycle the next day, but it's so good. It's wonderful. <laughs> What's your favorite food, Ben Andrew? I think it's just having all these nice hot sauces poured on top of some of these uh, breads and it's just wonderful. Oh, the spicy piquant. Yeah. <laughs> Burn your tongue off <laughs> sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so those have been some of the good things. And then the other side of Morocco is, of course, uh, maybe it's kind of a cliche, but the constant haggling over prices. You do find the more you go into touristy areas, the more people try and take you for a ride. For example, yeah. the other day, we stopped for some vegetables, and we know from buying vegetables for about three weeks now that one kilo of vegetables goes for about eight or ten dirhams. Yeah. And we stopped to buy two tomatoes and an onion, and the man asked for ten dirhams. Yeah, it's a bit over the top, and he, he obviously was just trying to get money out of some tourists, so we just basically turned around and left him. Yeah, we did offer him three. We, we first said two, and he said ten, and then we said three, and he said seven, and then we said, we can get it down the road, we'll leave it. And really, that's the best tactic. Once you work out the prices... 
just if someone tries to overcharge you, you know, offer them the fair price and then move on because you will find someone down the road who's more honest and will give you a better deal. And and you can end up buying something more from that person just because they're honest. Yeah, usually that's we check out the price of something that we know and if it's fair, then we go and make the rest of our purchases there. The other challenge that we've had is the children, and even though in some ways they're very sweet and they're nice to talk to, they are just constantly demanding for un dirham, un stylo, un bonbon, and it just never stops. And on a bicycle, you're not insulated in the way you are in a car. car so driving by, you're not insulated in a car driving by, so you can you, you can. You can't ignore it. It is there always. Yeah, every village we go through, I'm sure they sit on hilltops and there must be some sort of like party line for the villagers. Oh, there's a bicyclist coming. There's a bicyclist coming because these children come out of nowhere running like... Hell for leather. Yeah, it's unbelievable how far and how fast these children run screaming, give me a pen, give me a dirham. And this can happen, you know, with 100 children a day easily. Mm, absolutely. So uh, the tactic we've just adopted is basically to pedal as quickly as we can to get out. <laughs> because the serious side of it is, is that it can be quite dangerous. They will try and run behind you. They may try and grab the bike or, or grab something off the bike. Not in a malicious way, but they're just having fun being children. Yeah. They don't realize how dangerous it could be. Yeah, so it's just being careful, I guess. And as one of one of our interviewees has said, um, just always have a smile on your face. <laughs> you kind of have to adopt a um, a sense of humor about it all. Otherwise, you will absolutely go crazy. So, <laughs> one of the things, you know, one of the jokes has been, um, my shoes have been falling apart. In fact, and I've had duct tape on my shoes for the last week and a half. And so, when they say, "Give me a pen," I say, "Give me some new shoes," because I have no new shoes. And they love that joke. They laugh about it, and we all have a good time. And then we carry on. And they basically leave us alone. They're fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> although you always will get some persistent ones. Anyway, so the haggling and the children, that's maybe the downside of Morocco. But at the end of the day, you just keep a smile on your face and uh, try and keep a sense of humor about Absolutely. it. So those are a few thoughts on Morocco. And now we've got an interview for you with two cyclists who we met on the side of the road, not too far from that very bizarre skiing town of Ifran. That's right. Yeah, just soon after we left Ifran, uh, we met them going up a hill that we were coming down very fast. Their names are Glenn and Charlotte, and they've been on the road for about the same time as we have. So it was interesting to hear some of their experiences. And you'll find that the interview starts, as with many of our interviews, with a big truck rumbling past. Glenn from Aberdeen, Scotland, and this is Charlotte from Berlin. And we've met you on the side of the road in fairly cold Morocco. It's pretty chilly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's good though. It's, uh, it's definitely getting cold as we head north, but it's been good in the desert. It's been warm and dry and yeah, nice nights. Where have you been for the last few weeks? What have you been doing? Got too cold in Italy and flew to Casablanca and then kind of cut across to Marrakesh and then over the mountains and then just been in the middle of nowhere cycling around basically yeah. and rough camping it's been good What's what have been some of the things that you've seen or I guess we haven't been really heading for sites like we've rather been searching for like the nowhere basically yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nice, nice nights out in the desert starry nights and stuff mm. I guess has it been pretty easy to find places to pitch your tent at night yeah like all the riverbeds are dried out and they're super soft and really flat and tender well, camping easy. sorry it's not easy in Morocco because like there's people everywhere yeah. you look around and there's always somebody hit like some head somewhere yeah you think you're in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and someone and the goat's gonna yeah. pop up or whatever or the pack of dogs depending people <laughs> are usually lucky. pretty friendly though or at least in our experience we've we've found that yeah, they yeah. come up and yeah. they offer you tea or they sit mm. down for a while I don't know has yeah, that been yeah. your experience or yeah totally I mean we were off the road last night and some guy had pulled off in his 
truck asking us to come back to his house for a cup of tea. We're like in the woods trying to hide in camp. <laughs> <laughs> and did you go back? No, no, because we were because uh, we're at the top of the hill when it was like his house was at the bottom. <laughs> right. <laughs> Didn't fancy uh, repeating that experience. <laughs> How long have you been on the road for? Since September yeah. 2006. Then. Yeah, it's like oh. four or five months ago. Oh, right. And what are your plans, or how long do you think you keep going for? I'm flying from Lisbon back to Charlotte's dad's house in March because she's got to go back to uni. Right. Okay. And then I'm going to carry on back to Scotland from there. So, of yeah. the countries you've been, what are some of the ones that you've enjoyed the most or you'd recommend to other people? Montenegro. Yeah, totally. Montenegro. Yeah. Montenegro. What's yeah. so special about Montenegro? I'm not even sure I could locate it on a map. Yeah. Where is it? Same deal. I didn't know about it before we went there, but it's, uh, it's um, below Croatia and besides Kosovo. Yeah, and it's like just the, the countryside is amazing it's really hilly it's really difficult by bike but it's amazing like um totally deserted really yeah. really lovely people extremely nice people actually yeah just like very happy to see yeah. you and happy to take you on yeah. and, and not so used to tourism either like if you come up to the mountain plains they don't have probably almost never seen any any cyclists yeah, no concept of yeah. uh, hassling you for money or anything no, yeah. just like whoa there's some foreign people. Yeah. <laughs> Come in and eat our meat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the destination for a vegetarian yeah. cyclist. No, 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 no. I think uh, that whole area, the old Balkans, is uh, pretty meat-heavy. Meat yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Are there any places you wouldn't go back to, or has it all been good experiences? Or? Maybe um, north of Macedonia. Yeah, I north of Macedonia is pretty heavy. Albania, we were warned off just because it's... The Kriminalskis, apparently. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, where else? Nowhere really. I mean, it was, yeah, it's all been really enjoyable. Yeah, Albanians, and it's really kind of sketchy, like especially for women, I think. Yeah. And otherwise, if everything is really interesting. But I think like the countries where it's not so European is definitely more interesting for to go to because like Europe, you can go to every supermarket, you're going to get everything you need always. Yeah. Whereas in these kind of countries like Balkan, like um, the Balkans. It's definitely different because you go to little shops and you're never going to find what you need. And it's just harder but more interesting, definitely. Yeah. It's good. How have your bikes held up for the trip? Have you had any problems with them at all? Or? Pretty good, yeah. Charlotte's wheel wobbled for a bit. but Actually, not such a big deal, but we didn't know what to do with it because we don't have any idea of bikes, really. But now they're all good. Um, oh little repairs here and there flat, yeah. flat tires for days got the old Ortley panniers I see and yeah. a few Altura ones yeah, yeah they work but they are not actually recommendable the Ortley ones really no, we've had shit. really good luck with ours what yeah. don't you like about them they are just like shit for when it rains just water runs in all the time it's shit really yeah it's not good yeah I don't know I think I'm, I'm kind of like closing them yeah. they're not like fastened on yeah. the top so it didn't bring those strap things but Ah, okay, you don't have the second strap, so you can't pull them down tight, yeah, I see. Yeah. Because we yeah, haven't had any problems at all with ours. ours yeah, have been I guess just if fun. you have them strapped down, they're going to work. Yeah. yeah. The nose yeah. are been good, the temp's been good. Yeah, no real problem. Even in the cold? Because right now, I mean, it's near freezing, you haven't... And you've you said you've been rough cut. Uh, like yeah, minus no. 10 or something in Montenegro and all that. It's like waking up with like thick, thick frost. In <laughs> <laughs> it's alright, like when you're sleeping, it's all good. It's just a nightmare getting up and going again. Did you buy sleeping bags that were for that sort of temperature, or yeah. have you been... Yeah, all the old mountain equipment. Yeah. yeah. They're great. Perfect stuff. So from here, you're climbing up the hill. Mm. Yeah. See how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. And then Fez, Lazru, Fez, Meknes, and then up to Chef Shoen and Tanju. 
and then Spain and then Lisbon. Well, I hope you uh, liked that interview with Glenn Charlotte. We certainly loved uh, meeting them on the road. They kind of gave us a little extra boost as we went went down the hill. Now we're going to review a shortwave radio that we're actually carrying around. It actually has been fairly, it's been something nice to have along the way. Um, it's a Roberts uh, 9968, which we got on uh, eBay um, before we left. We thought, oh, we'll try it out. We'll see how it works. It's it's fairly light, and um, it's been a lifesaver. It's actually made us feel like we're still part of the world out here every night. We kind of listen to it at dinner or maybe a bit at lunch or in the morning and just kept, catch up with what's going on on BBC or CBC or any other channels that we can pick up on it. And it's a brilliant piece of equipment. Yeah, it goes on for ages. It's got two AA batteries that go in it. And I think in a six-month trip now, we're now into our sixth month, uh, we've replaced the batteries twice in it, but we're really using this radio every single day in the morning and at night for at least an hour and sometimes maybe two hours or even more a day. So it's really got great life, and it's not much bigger. In fact, I would say even maybe smaller than a lot of books. I think if you look at it, it's probably a bit smaller. Touch heavier maybe, but it, it's got a nice leather case around it. It fits into our panniers, and we haven't had a single worry about it. It's got a dial on it for all the time zones as well, so that's quite handy. You can change it as you go around the world. You've got a clock. It's got an alarm on it. I mean, we're just really in love with this radio. Um, we did strike lucky with the price on eBay. We got one which was effectively new, but technically secondhand, and so we paid £15 for it. Normally, it retails more in the £40 or £50 range. But even at 40 or 50 pounds, I would buy it again tomorrow without hesitation. Without question, yeah. And I mean, we're using it as our as our clock and at night and everything like that. So it's it's been quite handy. Yeah, it's one of those funny things, the radio, because I know a lot of other cyclists who do tours go on tour to get away from the everyday and they don't want to hear the news. But I think on a longer tour like we're doing, it's kind of important that you stay grounded and in a very practical sense you need to know what for example the political situation is going on around the world because we're going to be moving into other countries so yeah, and it's good to know what's going on now and then we can figure out well maybe we have to consider now diverting routes or changing routes that's all the stuff that that we're getting out of the radio basically yeah so we heartily recommend the roberts r9968 radio if you're going on a tour of any length at all then run out and buy one today in fact, buy two and give one to a cycling friend. It'll make a great Christmas present. <laughs> that's your early Christmas shopping tip. Well, that's just about it for this show. But before we let you go, we do want to share an interview with four guys that we met on the side of the road just as we were coming into Zagreb. It's two Austrians and two Germans. And as you hear in the interview, initially we thought they were all traveling together and were all good friends. But it turns out they'd only met an hour before we had and uh, they just found out they were all going in the same direction and joined up. And tra- started tra- we're going to travel up together. Anyway, they had a few thoughts to share with you on their trip around Morocco and also some of the places that they're hoping to go in the future. My name is Gernot, and I'm from close to Vienna, Austria. Uh, my name is Konrad, and I came from the middle of Germany in Vienna. My name is Matthias, and I'm from Vienna too, like Konrad. I'm Simon, and I'm from the eastern part of Austria. And how long have you been touring Morocco for? Uh, we arrived here in Agadir on the 29th of January, so for almost two weeks. And what made you decide to come to Morocco? A great weather in February, good reputation among bicyclists. And has that been your experience so far? What have, what have your impressions been? Has it lived up to what you expected? 
It's very different to Europe because uh, the friends, the people are very different, the countryside, and makes fun. What have been some of your favorite parts so far? If you think about the highlights that you've seen so far, what have you enjoyed? My highlight was Malmit, uh, 200 kilometers away from here. And there you can see the desert and walk through the desert and camels and all that stuff. What about you? What have you enjoyed? Uh, friendly people all over Morocco. That's what I enjoyed most. Have, what about the children? Because they quite often stand by the side of the road and ask you for a pen or a candy or a dirham. Has that been annoying for you at all or have you been able to, to handle that? Uh, it can get a bit annoying. <laughs> you leave it there. You're very diplomatic. <laughs> Have you faced any any particular challenges traveling in Morocco, or anything that other cyclists should know about? Not really. I would say everything went easier than expected. Mm. And about favorite places, my favorite place definitely was was Tansita, close to the Sint. What was what was so special about it? Great, great people. We spent two really 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 nice days there so if you get the chance once check it out (laughs) how how expensive has it been to travel because i think morocco has a reputation as one of the cheaper countries so any idea of your budget or have you just been spending money (laughs) normally we spend uh, five euro per day as a 50 dirham but sometimes uh, more and sometimes not so much and about five euro around that Per day. Per person. Mm-hmm. Is that cooking your own meals or where have you? No, no, we, uh, we buy our meals and Nutella and chocolate and all this stuff. <laughs> sweet, a lot of sweet stuff. <laughs> I think that's like all cyclists. <laughs> even even if you didn't think you had a sweet tooth, you discover one, don't you, when you're on the road? <laughs> yeah. Do you do you four always travel together or is no, this your first trip? No, no, no. Just for two hours. No, we met ten kilometers ago. And half an hour. Yeah, yeah, half an hour ago we met and now we have the same destination so we cycle a few kilometers together ah right I thought you were all gr- great friends or something <laughs> 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 oh well maybe the beginning of a good friendship then <laughs> so have you got it a- <laughs> so have you got any more trips planned once you go home or are you thinking already of the next bicycle trip or I'm going to New Zealand in the late, uh, late this year for half a year to cycle there and discover the country and so on. For six months? Six months, yeah. I finish my studies and then I have enough time and money, hopefully, to, to do that. Yeah. Just one last question before I let you all get on the road. Have you got any advice for other, other cycling tourists out there? Things they should know? Tips or ideas? You're friendly. The people are also friendly and then it makes it all easier and then you can travel everywhere, I think. So keep a smile on your yeah. face then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Welcome. Welcome. Well, that's just about it for this show. Andrew, do you want to give a little summary of where we're going over the next few weeks? Hopefully, uh, once we've done a trek in the desert, uh, we'll be heading back up from Zagreb, probably up over the uh, mountain passes towards Marrakesh, uh, maybe spend a couple of days there, and then head towards the coast and wind our way back up the, the western coast, Safi, uh, keep on going up north towards Tangiers and uh, basically cross back to Tangiers and hopefully get back into uh, back into Europe that's probably for sometime around the end of March we've promised a friend of ours that we'll meet him in Portugal for the last week in March so that's a goal for us to work towards in the meantime we're going to continue enjoying Morocco where the sun is shining and the living is quite cheap and very enjoyable so we heartily recommend it if you want to come cycle touring this is a great place to come 
and really enjoy some local culture and something very different from what you get in Europe.